calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to Bitches on Comics. I'm your host, Essie Fleenor, and I'm here today with another one of your hosts. Well, 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 here we are again. I could never believe it, but here we are once more. You, Essie Fleenor, one of the hosts of Bitches on Comics. Me, Sarah Century, just another host, just another person trying to live in this world. And somebody (laughs) who we absolutely have talked to probably more than anybody because, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is like my roommate almost at this point. But we have Stephanie Williams on the pod again for the maybe sixth time, seventh time. I don't know. Every time it's delight. You have probably heard it, but if not, Stephanie, welcome and tell everybody where to find you and kind of, you know, what you do, what you're up to. Hey, I'm so happy to be back. Um, this couch is so comfortable because um, I've clearly <laughs> left an impression on it. <laughs> but um, your, your butt print is just perfectly worn right? in, so you can just scooch right in. The butt perfectly. print of our hearts. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Please put that you on a shirt. An indelible butt print on my heart. <laughs> but um, I am wowed, um, a full-on writer of sorts. Um, yeah. So I do. I, I write funny books, um, as the older folks like to call them. Um, also do a little <laughs> hosting on the side. Um, if anyone who listens to this podcast watches The Boys, you don't have to explain yourself. I, I understand. I get it. Uh, but if you do. And Steph knows that I'm not Team Boys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but if you do, find Faith and Sala's in um, a queer Black woman and another Black woman hosting um, the after show for it. Uh, so by the time you listen to this episode, uh, the first episode for that will be out and then the following week and so on and so forth. So um, that's kind of what's happening right now. Some other stuff that I want to talk about so badly, but because I've been such a frequent guest, I'll be back. So y'all will know soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you. we're not going to let you get away from us. You know, you still did one of my very favorite ever Halloween episodes we had because yes. you chose like... <laughs> All these the most fucked chaotic. up movies. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. And I was like, tell me everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I've got, I got even more messed up movies. um, If we want to do this again for Halloween. So just let me know. Yeah, Um, we do. Well, I will be there. Weird movies and all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we will look forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. So among the the, the big thing we're talking about today, because it's Pride. Happy Pride, everybody. Happy Pride. Happy Pride, Steph. Happy Pride, Sarah. Happy Pride, Kate. Happy Pride, listeners. Happy Pride, Monica. Everybody. Everybody. If I didn't name you, you still get a happy Pride. Happy (laughs) Pride to you, friend. (laughs) Your pet. If you want to edit your name into this, happy Pride. You then are... edit your name in. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So the reason we're here <laughs> is obviously Steph, who is delightful and amazing and perfect. And I'm just so happy to be talking to you right now. And a wonderful Bi Pride team member. Woohoo, go buys. And we're going to talk about Nubian Io a little bit today. And by a little bit, I mean the whole fucking time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited. Yeah. Well, you know, I would love to hear, I think we talked about this actually for our panel we did for FlameCon last year, but I would love to hear about how you got introduced to the relationship between Nubia and Io, like how, like what, where you saw it manifest and then like what was important for you to make clear on the page as a creator so um just a funny tidbit to that um Vita and I were just kind of brainstorming characters to make sure that we included I was like well I definitely want to give Nubia a love interest because I felt like that will give her that lived-in experience so Vita had mentioned Io and then I went to go google search because I'm like I knew who Io was but it'd been a while since I had like read her in anything so you know how in Aliens uh, so the second movie, how the one actress plays a woman of Latinx descent, but actually is white. So that was a picture that I had saw of Io. Like she looked like there might have been a little Latinx heritage there. That was not the case. Um, Io is definitely white. But anyway, I mentioned that because I was just like, OK, yeah, yeah, like, you know, let's do, um, you know, this pairing or whatever. This will work out. And then come to find out, like, oh, no, <laughs> your memory uh, was trash. And also, uh, shout out to comics never being consistent with the coloring of characters. Um, so I was like, whatever, move on from that. But I, the reason why I bring that up is because, um, <laughs> you know, as somebody who's read a lot of comics and really focused on just Black characters um, and themselves, like, I knew how few and far in between it can be to have, like, two Black characters be love interests in one another. So that is what gave me pause initially um, because I knew that that was something that was like, well, hey, you're here, so like make that happen. However, this is the mascara. <laughs> and it's very different from if Nubia was in the real world. Like the same BS that we had to put up here just would not exist in that way. And by that, I mean, just as far as like race and all of that, because they are a race, they're Amazons. So once I was able to kind of work past that, um, and I went back to read some of um, Io's appearances, I noticed that, yeah, um, she had a thing for Diana, but it was never returned. Um, And I was like, wow, that's that's really sad and terrible. And here we are uh, making sure that uh, we make lesbians as miserable as possible, doing the good old thing that um, media loves to do. And I was like, well, yeah, let's not do that. So 
For Iowa Nubia, uh, mm-hmm. it just started to make a ton of sense because the Nubia had been champion of Dune's doorway all this time. She isn't getting a whole lot of face time with the rest of the Amazons in the same way as somebody who, um, I don't know, like a, a Philippus or a Hippolyta or um, Penelope, like none of them. But somebody that she would probably see a whole lot would be Io, because, I mean, <laughs> champion, uh, <laughs> she herself is a weapon. Um, then you have the blacksmith. So on a very meta level, it makes sense <laughs> in a very intimate level. Um, so metaphors, all that, like it just made sense that these two would develop, if anything, a friendship first and then eventually, um, you know, some type of romantic ties. So once that started to really come together and I saw it, I was like, yeah, like I'm going full steam ahead with this. And writing these two characters, one, so Io, because blacksmiths deserve love too, um, has, um, you know, her her love and every appreciation and respect reciprocated. And then for Nubia, someone who is, I don't like supposed to be like this really strong black Amazon um, protector of Doom's doorway and all these other things, has someone who... um, you know, she can be soft around and vulnerable and understands her and won't question and will also kind of have a little bit more insight to what her day-to-day life is too. So um, at the very end of the day, like it just made all the sense in the world to me, minus all the other things that I was like considering and thinking about. So Io and Nubia became a thing. They became such a thing. Such a thing. <laughs> such a thing. It's so nice to hear about how you thought about it. Yeah. yeah I know it's so cool because I, I also, you know, I think about that a lot. And I think, you know, a lot of, of my friends who are black talk a lot about, like, why are black characters always <laughs> paired up with white people? And so it really makes sense that that was part of the thinking that went in for you. So I just wanted to say thank you for sharing that. You know, I'm obviously white. Sarah's white. But it means a lot for you to bring that conversation here. So I just wanted to start with saying, like, thank you for yeah. sharing your thinking behind it and helping us sort of think about why is, and you know I'm trying to force this on everybody, yes. why is New Bio the best ship ever? <laughs> I'm like, it's New Bio, get on it. <laughs> I'm on it. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) Sarah's like, fine, I'm in. (laughs) I'm in. (laughs) Yeah, because, you know... I mean, I know you two don't think this, but sometimes I wonder if folks think that when it comes to like writing comics that you're just not, I don't like there are several levels of thought, at least for me that go into it, especially because of the way that I approach comics when I read them. Um, I was just like, yeah, so like this, this and this, but this is why I pivoted to this type of thing. So like nothing is ever done, at least on my part, haphazardly. I'm considering all these things. And like, I knew like if me preparing those two together, like I was going to let some folks down. But the thing that I've been learning um, and continue to learn that if you try to please everyone, you will end up writing literally nothing. And there are plenty of stories that I will go on to tell. And hell, I could be writing right now that involves um, two black folks together. So, you know, like it's not the only one, I guess, is where I had to get to, where I was just like, yeah, this is this, this one story and it makes sense for this character or both of them. Um, so just do what works best. And then Nubia still ends up having a black love interest, a tragic one. But, um, you know, that that is still there. So um, unfortunately, that did keep me up at night. Yeah. Ayo is a really interesting love interest as well, because I think that maybe we talked a little bit before about how butch representation is almost non-existent, right? I just Mm -hmm. don't really see it very much, because if you see lesbians, you know, they basically are, like, very femme, right? Yeah. To an extreme, I think, in almost any media. And that's fair because there are many, I would say, like, I mostly identify with them. So I would say that, you know, there's plenty of us out here. But I also am just like, yeah, but that's not all of lesbians. And so we definitely do see, in many ways, a homogenized version of what queerness is. And so Mm -hmm. I do think that there is something very interesting about Io stepping in as the love interest we always wanted her to be, right? Because I think that she's trying to be a love interest way before this and has this big, long history of that, where almost the only time we see her, she's out here just being buff and like flexing and all of these women are like not interested in her and it's always kind of just like what (laughs) because like it doesn't make sense (laughs) but on top of everything it's just like at the very least you have this character who I think Io doesn't look like a lot of people I think that Io is a very unique character and I appreciate that Io is like low like low stress on Nubia right like Io is this person Mm -hmm. who's just like if I challenge you, it's going to be in, like, the softest, most gentle way possible. Like, I'm never going to try to, like, you know, take anything away of, like, what you are as a person. And I think that that was something where I am loving reading their interactions as you write it. Because it's, like, it's literally what they both have deserved this whole time, right? 
Mm-hmm. And so funny enough, you bring that up because like the moment I saw Io's guns, I was just like, well, yeah. The guns. Because if we're doing this thing where we're thinking of Nubia as herself as a weapon, who better to handle her than Io? Yeah. And then also to have Io herself allowed to be soft too. Yeah. Because that's the stereotype, right? Is, is that yes, like if you're a butch lesbian, <laughs> then you like don't have soft moments. And I think that, yeah, that's like a an issue uh, kind of ongoing in media, right? Like it's mm-hmm. another media thing where it's like every now and again we see a butch lesbian, but usually she's just like, and I'll punch you in the face, dude, or like whatever. Yeah, no. <laughs> Which is cool. Like I love that. Io will do that, right? <laughs> like Io's on that train. But, but so will femmes. So will femmes. That's so actually will what we're I, yeah. more for is more femmes fighting people. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Even in the short amount of space that you have, you have done a really good job at showing a lot of different sides to things and being like, this is kind of a more complex person than what we knew before. Because before we just knew Io was out here shooting her shot, but like not really anybody was picking up and like that's like a mixed metaphor, but <laughs> anyway, you have Io just being kind of uh, neglected as a character. And I think Nubia is more egregious. Like, I think that Nubia being neglected was ridiculous and it was a really long running thing and it has a lot of issues behind it. But then you go, well, Io was definitely a character that was very much also just kind of like, please write me. Like, please write me. Yeah. And then also, please stop putting me in leather um, just right <laughs> on my bare breast. Um, like, yeah. there's no chafing at all that would happen. Um, like, Isn't that an Amazon thing, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's just like, you know, I'm sure that's okay for a little bit, but not all day. Not all day. Because um, I don't know. Do they have nipple cream there? They would. Yeah, yeah, yes. they have some bomb nipple cream. I bet. I bet it's like cannabis infused. I'm, I'm <laughs> is like what I assume. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, yeah, like looking absolutely. for it right now. <laughs> like on Amazon, looking for this product that does not exist. You're going to Amazon for the Amazons, if you will. <laughs> it's not doing yes. what I want it to do. <laughs> so another. Um, Another reason, I didn't realize this, but it must have been subconsciously that um, I just thought that Io and Nubia would be just a beautiful pairing is um, going back to Nubia's original origin story. So, uh, one, you all would be very surprised how many folks are just huge fans of that origin story, so much so that they actually don't like the new origin story for Nubia. Um hmm. I still can't really wrap my mind around that one, but okay. <laughs> um, I mean, to each their own. But uh, the reason why I bring that up is because in that origin story, um, Nubia deals with isolation. She brings that up, I think, in 205, when you kind of get that backstory as to how she came to be and um, why she really can't remember too much of anything and like being this weapon of Mars and sequestered away on this floating island, which will be making an appearance in the new um, series. but. I digress. Mm. Just thinking of that and how, um, I don't know, like she gets this sword from Mars and stuff and everything is kind of forged in like anger, right? Anger, loneliness, all these other things. And I thought to myself, well, 
So what if she doesn't get a weapon that is forged by the gods? If anything is stronger than the gods, I would think love would be. I mean, you have Aphrodite, who is a pretty much embodiment of that. You just gave right? me chills all over my body. <laughs> I know. So, um, I thought, so I thought if we inv- if I invested into their relationship, by the time we get to the, what is it, the fifth, no, the fourth issue, the end of that, where Io um, makes this weapon for Nubi, and you have her, you sh- and she shows her plans for it in issue three, to me, that just seemed very poetic and something, again, that does service to both of those characters. One for Io to, it's not like Nubia asked her to make that. It's just something that Io wanted to make out of her love for Nubia. Um, it's something that she thought really embodied her. Um, this balance, the staff that can do uh, more than one thing, both offense and defense. And... Um, I don't know, like for Nubia to receive that, uh, to me, like that just felt like a very beautiful moment that we don't often get, especially between two female uh, characters in Cape comics anyway. Um, So Mm -hmm. like, you know, forget the gods. Um, Let's show that the Amazons also have some type of power. Like they too are badass without the gods in that way. So like, why couldn't they be able to do something like that for one another? Um, so I just kind of wanted to just outside of Nubia and IO just kind of show that, you know, um, the women on this island, they are not only passionate when it comes to fighting, but like they're passionate in so many other ways that matter. Um, and this is one of them. Well, you gave me chills, I think, three different times while you were talking. Uh, the idea that the only thing stronger than a god is love. I think I need to go lay down and cry for six mm-hmm. days that's like i might cry about a, that that's so beautiful and suddenly i'm like oh shit something i read in both newbie and the amazons and in queen of the amazons it's like oh shit a bunch just clicked for me too when you said that so oh yes. wow that's a good one i'm gonna lock that away <laughs> so funny enough um because i know like a lot of folks was like man this reads like there's more to come like yeah because there was <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So much more. Yeah, you know, so I think last time you were here, we got to talk about Nubia and the Amazons a bit. I was just flipping through four while you were talking about her giving the weapon. And there's like this moment, and you do this really well in your panels. I've seen it, like, I think every time I see Nubia and Io, Nubio together, Nubio, sorry, Nubio together, <laughs> um, like they press their heads together in this really sweet way that to me is like one of the deepest forms of intimacy. Is like, uh, That's what I'm my rabbits my... do. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm going to put my yeah. big dumb face on your big dumb face and that's going to be like a nice moment. And there's so much love in those panels. For, I mean, whether this was a queer couple or a head couple or whatever, um, this is from me reading so many romance novels. And there's just so many different forms of intimacy. And it does not always have to involve, like, people stuffing their tongues down each other's throats. Like, that's fine. There's no problem with that. But it's so funny. Like, when I'm reading a romance novel, it's never the filthy stuff that makes me kind of... Uh, giddy or like hide away and try to like look around to see if anybody's looking at what I'm reading. It's always the softer stuff. So like mm-hmm. the, you know, like the the hand or somebody saying something that just will make you blush or whatever. Those are always the moments that make me go, oh my God, like, should I be reading this? 
this seems dirty, even though it's it's a beautiful <laughs> thing. Meanwhile, the filth, I'm just like very straight face. Uh, nothing's happened. I'm just like, I'm, I'm zoned in and I'm reading. So for me, um, I was like, yeah, let me just, just show this. Because I feel like for two folks who... Uh, trust each other and they've had a long time to build, um, you know, a deeper connection with one another. Small gestures like that would be something that just comes second nature. Mm-hmm. And also, like, who doesn't like to, I mean, come on, you touch foreheads, if anything, like that is just everything. Yeah, that's how I know my rabbits bonded. I was like, oh, those two are best friends now because they push their faces together and they just sit there with their eyes closed with their heads touching. And I'm like, what? Because, <laughs> I mean, and also unrelated, maybe this was a subconscious thing too, but for, um, I watch a lot of animal docs. I don't know why, like, I'm just obsessed. Um, and also just thinking of like Disney stuff, unfortunately or fortunately, um, for the Movies and things that just deal with like animals and things like Little Bear, which isn't Disney. It was, I think, DreamWorks. But anyway, like when animals uh, show affection to one another, like they do that, too. So there was something also very primal in that way, too. Um, And not just like same sex animals do the same. I don't like I just feel like that's a form of communication that. Yes. (laughs) So like that is a form of communication that regardless of anything, like I just feel like. Be it platonic friends, uh, romantic love interests, uh, one night, well, probably not one night stands, but you you get the gist of what I'm trying to say. Like, um, that is just something, mm-hmm. a very strong community type of thing that I also felt like would be in those types of gestures. So um, I'm happy that you all love them because I was like, damn, how anybody else feels. I want some forehead touching. <laughs> I want mm-hmm. some shoulder, uh, shoulder grabbing and, um, you know, soft um, hands on the chest and all those little moments that just make you say, oh, oh my, I don't want it to end. They love each other so much. Yeah. I, I'm honestly it, just trying to stop crying enough to I talk. know. <laughs> I'm so happy you got to write these characters because I think that the whole world has changed for Nubia just in the last year or so and I it's been really fun to witness it has it's actually been pretty surreal actually um because like this second series um or even like the deep like her appearance in DC Pride these are all things that um well DC Pride I definitely didn't know that that was happening until um December of last year but the second series that was something that was kind of you know Maybe possibly, but not mm-hmm. really um, a thing that I could just reach out and touch. But after Nubia and the Amazons, it's just like, yeah, so uh, you have the the story beats and stuff for the second series. And I was like, no, <laughs> but I guess, like, let me let me go be ahead right and back. actually uh, <laughs> like be right back. Let me go ahead and hammer those things out. And um, yeah, I'm here to break hearts in the second series, too. I'm yeah. so sorry. That's okay. I love that. That's part of it sometimes where you're just like, ah, (laughs) my my (laughs) ship has parted ways. I don't know what to do. And then you like lay on the ground for, I don't know, maybe not everybody does that, (laughs) but I do it. Oh, so no, they're fine. 
So Nubia and oh, Aya would be fine for now. We're no, no, no. I'm not <gasps> touching because actually, uh, I was like, because <laughs> because Io almost lost. I mean, Io was almost lost to chaos in the trial of the Amazon. So it was like absolutely not. Um, we will not like. Yeah. I mean, if you gotta take her arm or um her eye or something like that, do that. Um, but no, we cannot have it. Um. Everyone really has invested a lot into this relationship, so let's let's keep it going. Let's keep it for um, a hot so second. I fought for yeah, that. yeah. Because <laughs> so for all of you New Van Io fans, I was in there mm-hmm. fighting to make sure that they stayed together. Because and that's yeah. the other thing that unfortunately happens a lot. You get a ship, a legitimately you know decent ship, and then it's just like, oh well. Hope you enjoyed that because it's over now. That's like the Z plot straight up, not even the zombie plot, but like the Z, Z, Z spot, like where they go, oh, you've got Magna and Yumiko and they're like the hottest shit ever riding around on a horse together. And then they're like two episodes later, she's like listening to a country song and like reading a book and then they break up and I'm just like, man. Why you have to come just for me? Because like, I think (laughs) I watch all of these shows where I'm especially Walking Dead, right? Where there's so much time given for these heterosexual couples where it's just like page after page, every issue ends on it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then they're just like, blink and you miss it, lesbians. (laughs) And I'm like, damn. Yes. (laughs) So I am appreciating that this is not blink and you miss it, lesbians, because it's been just kind of neat to see how they interact with each other. But also I think it really is part of both of their character projection. Like I think that they're both going through a lot of changes right now and stepping into Mm -hmm. the limelight in a lot of ways. And I think that there's no better person for each of them to have with each other, you know, at at this specific moment in time. Absolutely. Um, Because change is coming, unfortunately or unfortunately, if you like, if you like chaos. (laughs) <laughs> I was going to ask, too, because you have you worked just now Trial of the Amazons. That was such a big crossover. And so I think, too, that Wonder Woman is getting this massive push that I lived in the time when people were like, oh, you read Wonder Woman, like, you know, all like <laughs> condescending or whatever. And I'd be like, yeah, thanks. I'm just going to take my book and leave. Thanks. And I don't feel that way anymore. I feel like I'm not, you know, in the comic book shop, I'm not the only person who's picking up Wonder Woman anymore. And I think that that's really awesome. But that was it. Having her have this big crossover all of a sudden was just like, yeah, where have her crossovers been? The last time I saw one was Amazon's attack. (laughs) And it's all the Amazon's being like, we're here to kill all the men. And it's just like, oh my God. (laughs) We're going to kill every man. And like, everybody's just like, what's your demands? And they're like, we don't have any. (laughs) Like, we're just here. We're just here to do this. Um, Which is hilarious. Our demands are clear. All the men dead. You know what? We've all been there. That's been a day that we've all had. We're not allowed to go back to that bar ever again. Like, (laughs) but I'm just like, what is this? Because that was like one of the times that whenever I was reading comics that pushed me out of comics, I think like 2007 was like the year that killed my interest in superhero comics for a long time. And a lot of it was because you have major crossovers. Diana is nowhere. Right. And then you Mm -hmm. have Amazon's attack where she's like, 
Um, I don't know. This is like a bunch of men. And then on the other side, we've got like women who want all the men dead. So I guess I'm going to try to mediate the situation. <laughs> and you're just like, man, this is rough. <laughs> this is a rough yeah, series. This is a much better crossover. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say to to you, Steph, like it's just so nice because I feel like when I read all of the Nubia comics, all the titles that you've written, it's just as a non-binary person, it's so nice to not see gender essentialism on every page. Yeah. I think that yeah. so much of Wonder Woman falls into that. Is and that, there's so yeah. much of like, men are bad and women are good. And it's like, those are not discrete categories in the sense you think they are. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am really happy you brought that up, Essie, because um, again, like, I don't know if this was more subconscious or whatever, but to me, it was just like, you know, just write the character, I guess. Um, Because it would be, like, really weird to, like, lean into the fact that they're women. No shit. We're on Themyscira. Like, that there was no need to do... Like, you don't have to (laughs) explain or further explain what's already known. Mm. And that was another reason why for just the Nubia and the Amazon series in itself that... I didn't want any men there. Um, Not because, like, for them to punch around or anything like that, but that was the whole point to just kind of show, like, hey, you know, this may be Paradise Island, um, and these are all, you know, women that are on this island, but also that doesn't mean that it is Paradise at the same time. Like, just because you eliminate men or you eliminate whatever whatever X is does not mean that all problems and all of these other things just kind of go away. Like stuff, like shit still exists. Like, (laughs) like people are still people regardless of what you end up removing. Um, And some things are a matter of the heart and it won't matter at all what you remove because that is just essentially who or what, uh, what that person is. So um, yeah, like that's always weird. Um, When I would read comics, I'm like, I know, like, I know this is a chick. I don't need you to further convince me of that by giving her a boob window. Like, I did, didn't need it. Um, or doing, like, these very tropey <laughs> things. It's always, like, they can't understand what would be interesting about an island of, I would say, mostly women in this. Yeah, It's, yes. like, they don't understand why that would be interesting. They don't understand why those dynamics or why gender essentialism might be something to unpack because it always just turns into here's Diana. She's like the good feminist who doesn't make too many demands. And then here's the evil woman who makes all of the demands. And oh, you're is, just that, like, is that a way to work in Barbara Minerva? I'm, ooh, uh, I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to. But even just if you look at, say, like, I know that you were a big fan, stuff of that Justice League Unlimited cartoon. Is that right? Absolutely. Um, in fact, um, it is always on in the background when I'm writing these uh, issues. So, yes. I'm a big fan, too. And the, I think that they really drop the ball on the Wonder Woman episodes. I think that they always do. And it always has a character who's just like, I'm here to be other Wonder Woman <laughs> or something like that. You know, <laughs> it's like you always have this kind of. And I'm the evil feminist who's going to kill all the men and take all your rights. And and then you'll be the oppressed group or something. It's just like a really weird 
scenario that they always put up with those characters because literally they don't think that uh, queer people or like women talking to each other is interesting (laughs) or like trying to (laughs) figure out what that would even look like or what you know kind of like as I said before unpacking gender essentialism and as S.E. noted before and then before this episode as well in the last episode we did Gender essentialism is a huge issue with this franchise. And so you kind of chipping away at that is a huge deal. But then it's like you look back on the whole history and you're like, you should have been doing this for like 100 years. (laughs) Like You could have. It's like you almost did at the beginning. I don't even have words to really articulate this, but it's just always so weird when the simple, the very simple answer is just to write the character like you would a person. I was gonna say I feel like the big problem with a lot of people writing Wonder Woman stories is that they don't think women are people and like if you don't see women as people you you can't write women very well turns out yeah um and (laughs) I mean you you just said it all Essie and I think that is uh what it comes down to but sometimes it's even weird though when you have a, a film writer right still Mm -hmm. kind of fall into those tropes of basically, you know what I mean? Like still writing this character as their male counterpart might have. Um, Yeah. I mean, like it happens. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I think of it as is like, it's the girl boss problem where it's like when people get really invested in like the girl boss narrative and they're like, but I'm a feminist capitalist. And it's like, well, those things can't coexist so false (laughs) um but you know where you're like no actually you as a generally speaking uh straight-sized cishet white lady with privilege running a business and making money that doesn't do anything for my liberation you know like that's not liberation and i think that what I feel real deep empathy for is that so often the people in those positions, they see the way the world works, it seems to me, and they say, well, I can see the blueprint for how I can be successful. I'll just do what these these cishet white men are doing. And it's like, yeah, no, you can't. Yeah, you can totally do that. Like, yeah, sure. Wh- why? Like, why, why, why not do your thing? It's much more interesting. And I'm so glad you did. It feels like you have just burst out of the gates with like, I know what Nubia needs here and I know where to take her. And it just, every page bursts with just such deep love for these characters, such deep love for superheroes, such deep love for comics, such like, you're such a fucking nerd stuff. Like it is such (laughs) a joy. It's such a joy to read your comics because they're they're mm -hmm. just full of love. I really, truly appreciate that Um, because, again, like so much went into this as far as um, even reading George Perez's run until um, I had to switch to digital because I almost messed uh, my physical uh, books up going back and forth um, and just really (laughs) trying to. (laughs) <laughs> like Nod and um, even Greg Rucka, like just, you know, I'm somebody who thinks that, um, well, there are some stories that are choice. 
there are still some good things or usable things that can be used that mm-hmm. maybe needed to be cooked a little longer or would work in a different setting or whatever. So from that, um, I just felt like all of that was just kind of infused into the story because, again, the thing here was to make Nubia feel as though she had been at her basement job the whole time. You just didn't see her because she was at work, mm-hmm. which yeah. brings me to DC Pride because, yeah. um, <laughs> so Big Barter, I mean, like that's, that's news that's out now, but, um, I was like, yeah, I would love to write this story, but can I include Big Barter? And I was told, absolutely, you can. So, I will say that you are in for a treat, not only if you're a big Barda fan, but if you're a Mr. Miracle Mm -hmm. fan, too, because there is a very deep cut of some characters that are also included in this. So if you are familiar with Big Barda and Mr. Miracle um, and their exploits while they were, I believe, in New York, you know what I'm talking about. So um, that's really fun because Nubia and Barda team up. And they do so to um, help some other women. But the way that they team up, I feel like, was just a very fun way um, to kind of show these two characters that often don't get to do silly stuff. Yeah, I think that Big Barda is classically really fun when you put her in that kind of context. And it is a surprise that we don't see more of that, isn't it? Because I think that people do really lean into her as the former warrior of apocalypse and you're just like yeah totally but she's also kind of silly because she comes to this place when she shows up in the kirby series right she's so funny and like just like (laughs) ah everything's going on and just like lashing out carrying people around and scott is just so thrilled to have this beautiful giant lady who is just like bench pressing dudes left and right <laughs> and is just like and bench pressing that's him. my wife <laughs> and bench pressing him for sure right like we don't need to get into that right that's our fan fiction but <laughs> but it does happen even on like the panel don't get me wrong like it, i mean i think that those two are truly we agree on the fact that the, that's like one of the best relationships in comics i believe I love that. So to be very honest, I think another subconscious thing is that um, Nubia and Io's relationship was very much inspired by Mr. Miracle and uh, Big Barda as well. (laughs) Because it just made made all the sense because to me, I'm thinking of, I feel like, well, I feel like Io and Nubia are both interchangeable with either character depending on the day, but To your point, Sarah, because that relationship is just one of the more positive and beautiful relationships in comics, it was just like, it just, it made all the sense. Like you, and and also Barta has moments where Scott, well, she begrudgingly does it, but um, allows her soft moments. Um, I think it's Mm -hmm. in that first run by Kirby where Scott actually ends up saving her and Barta is like upset about that. Like Barta is pissed. I know. Um, and a little embarrassed. And Scott is like, yeah. um, but it's okay. Cause like you're also a woman or something like that. And I was like, you know what? For 1970s, this is actually very beautiful writing, right? I'll take it. Um, yeah. It's, it's just so beautiful. 
their first meetings are just wonderful because in the comic, you've kind of gone through a few issues where Scott is like, I'm always on the escape, trying to escape things. And then all of a sudden, you know, here's my traumatic backstory. And then Barda kind of pops up and she is towing the company line. Like, she's just like, I'm here to do the job that I was given. This is a good thing. And then you see her her faith in the system break through that issue because she loses that girl that like uh, depended on her. She was like, I'll keep you safe to this younger girl. <sighs> I forget what her name was or, um, Elise or something like that. Ariel. It, okay. Yeah. Something close it, to this. It's, it's like an aura L E I E S, you know, kind of thing. But yeah, no, I loved that story. I think that those two are so great together, but that was, I mean, you, you need only read that one issue where they find each other again in apocalypse and she's begrudging as you say, but then he's just like, yeah, but like I'm here. So (laughs) he's like, yeah, I get it. Like I get it. But you know, like whenever we can team up and hang out, like, right. Like, let me save you this one time, Barda. It's going to be okay. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to just keep showing up and uh, hopefully it's a love story. I don't know. <laughs> but even like their domestic life is something that uh-huh. I um, also appreciated and found inspiration for. Um, so that's why you get a lot of Nubia at Io's place instead of Io mm-hmm. at the Royal Palace. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know, like for to me, um, part of Nubia ruling very differently from Hippolyta is her being like among the um, the Amazons. Not that Hippolyta was like against that or anything, but um, she wasn't really just you know, like out there just kicking it with folks. Uh, for Nubia, because she had been um, champion of Doom's doorway for so long, um, that was another thing that kind of made more sense to me that she would, you know, want to be out and about. Like you're not in the basement anymore. You get to like be topside. So <laughs> I want to be where the people are. Mm-hmm. Right? It's Walking very- around on, what do you call them? Feet. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Up where they walk. Um, Anyways. Yeah, you know, actually something I wanted to, that I think dovetails here nicely with like the Nubia wanting to be with the people is, you know, we got a chance to read a review copy of the first issue of Nubia, Queen of the Amazons. Thanks for sending it along, Steph. And one of the things that to me felt so queer in that story, besides sort of like the the going out into the world and like trying to make it better, which always feels very <laughs> queer to me, was the way yes. that the Amazons choose to stand in solidarity with the protesters in Brazil. And it feels so important that what they're choosing is, is to be against corporations, which is, you know— the world we live in, we're all creatives, you know, it's all very strange with corporations and our relationships to them. So A, I was like, oh my God, look at Steph pulling off her fucking rebellious <laughs> shit. And then second, like that feels to me as much as head touches with with Io as much mm-hmm. a part of Nubia's queerness. And I was curious if if you think that's accurate and, and anything yes. else, obviously it's you. <laughs> No, you're you're absolutely right because that's the other thing with the you know the first series and then also this one is to show queerness in other ways. Again, like it's not just hey, look at these two, look at these two characters kiss. Um, like again, like that's great, but that is not that is only one tiny bit of 
queerness or just really the human experience anyway. But yeah, like I thought that that was really important. And that was another thing that I was like, ooh. Um, and I had to like talk to my editor about this. I'm like, is it like, is this okay for me to have Nubia not only challenging corporations, but also government officials? In this country that she isn't even from, um, but her sister Amazons are. So to challenge them and say, hey, um, why are you not protecting the citizens that put you into office? Like, that is why you're there. You're you're supposed to be these civil servants. Um, Amazons consider themselves that, um, or at least um, the way that I'm writing them in this series. So... I thought it was really important for Nubia to take them to task and to be there to stand in solidarity with protesters um, because that's another way to be a superhero. It's not always punching. I mean, by now, I hope that it's very clear that if I am writing a superhero thing, like you'll get some punching, but like that's not the only way to show um, your power. Um, There's other ways to affect change and change that will possibly last longer than you, you know, getting rid of this one bad guy because you do that, that's fine. But then another one pops up in their place. So, um, and even her mentioning like, yeah, like we can take care of this immediately, but we, but I want to make sure that there is change that happens that will be more long lasting um, than just, you know, roughing some folks up and then going about our way because we'll be just, we'll be back here in, you know, two to three months uh, four to five business days, however long it takes for another <laughs> uh, bad guy or whatever to uh, to pop up. Mm, I love that. It's so important, right, that like change and change is the other narrative I just see you playing with through all of the, the Nubia titles is is like change is inevitable, change is important, change is queer, change is freedom, change is neutral. It's all those things. And I, I really I love the way it's come together so much. It's really powerful stuff. I really appreciate that. Because um, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm writing stuff. Uh, and sometimes it just feels like, man, like, I hope this comes through. And it doesn't like somebody doesn't pick this up and say, well, I don't know what they were going for, but I won't be getting the second <laughs> issue. So. Because, <laughs> I mean, it happens. But, I was going to threaten um, to fight yeah. people in the streets. But last time I did that, someone was like the whole thing I'm talking about is nonviolent. <laughs> I was like, I know, I don't know why I said it. <laughs> yeah, I just want to fight, so I don't know. I was like, I'm sorry. As an Aries, I can talk about how you want to fight and be a pacifist all of the time, both. Like, I would love to be, and I think you can fight and be a pacifist. I think that I that agree. is the oh, line yeah. that we have to walk in this world. Oh, Absolutely. I mean, but Sarah's right, though, because for Medusa, Nubia was like, (laughs) definitely, you know, matching her blow for blow. And was like, hey, are you done fighting? Because if you are, we could do we can we can handle this another way. But if you want to continue to fight, we can do that, too. Choose your punches well. That's what we say here. (laughs) Exactly. 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 That's a good one. (laughs) We are coming back for the third year in a row with our extremely cool speculative anthology of all LGBTQ stories by queer and trans authors. It is called Decoded Pride. It's at decodedpride.com. And you can pick up a subscription today for only $14.99. Or if you go to any of our social media sites on Instagram, Instagram or Twitter at Bitches on Comics, or if you follow us on Patreon 
or support us over on Patreon, we have discount codes already all plugged in for you and you can get it for even cheaper. So go check those out. But right now you can get it for $14.99 at decodedpride.com. And Sarah, what is Decoded? What are people going to get? You have stories of comic books. You have stories of horror stories. You have fantasy stories science fiction all of the things you know what speculative fiction is i don't have yeah, to stuff tell that's you. just even just too hard to define genre bending what's especially cool is that every story that is not a comic has a piece of art that accompanies it we hope you'll come support us and all of the amazing creators we're getting to publish this year we are absolutely ecstatic again join us at decodedpride.com So the lovely Monica couldn't be here with us today. She's devastated that she missed this, but she sent us some great questions for you, Steph. So I wanted to start with the first one, which is, is the world ready for a queer as fuck black comic revolution? Uh, even if they aren't, they better get ready. <laughs> Yay. Ooh, you are all on notice. Get ready. Happy Pride. It's happy June Pride. 1st as we're recording this. So happy Pride, everybody. Happy Pride, buckle the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, And then the other one is, you know, there have been stirrings about black queerness in pop culture and how it's been rebuked because people are struggling sometimes who don't sit at those intersections with the idea of that intersectionality. Uh, Here, Monica's thinking particularly about toxic fandom in the headlines again with Obi-Wan. And her question for you is, where do you see yourself in building worlds that are keen on queer and Black representation? Um, I see myself uh, everywhere. Um, Everything that I touch, Mm. um, even when (laughs) it is adapting someone else's work, um, that is still coming through because um, it is so very part of me and because I am in total um, acceptance of myself um, it's just going to come through. So no matter what I'm writing, be it an article, um, comic, I finally get into someone's uh, TV show writing room, a film or whatever, like it will be there. Um, and in ways that you probably didn't even think, um, because I, I don't know, like I feel like some things are just so loud that no matter how much you try to um, kind of quiet it, there's just no way to to do it. Yeah, why aren't you in a TV writing room already? I'm mad about that. I'm putting that on my mad list for Pride. Oh, I'm going to put that on my (laughs) wrath list. That's what I'll put it on. (laughs) I I appreciate it. I mean... I, I don't understand it, how yes. you're not in charge of the Harley Quinn animated series. Honestly, no, I don't. for sure. I don't understand. It's it a would be world. so good. It would be so good. Uh, anyways. Maybe one day. Um, the showrunner uh, saw the X-Men uh, be, uh, but would have thrown with um, the character from uh, Abbott Elementary, Ava. And mm. really loved it. So I don't know. Maybe I have to hope he like jotted down a note Ooh. real quick and was like, Hmm, possibly check back <laughs> to see where she is. <laughs> yes, truly. Steph needs a TV job. Steph needs a TV job. Yeah. Well, I need Steph to need a TV job. I don't even know if you need one, really. I need you to have one, I think is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, let me let me do a little something. Even for one episode. Let you tell your <laughs> I'll get jokes. Coffee. Yes, I'll, I'll grab <laughs> coffee for folks. All of that, like, just, um, just one shot. <laughs> 
Put me in, coach. Put me in. Yes, I will run errands. There's a Lois and Clark episode where she has a nightmare where all of the guys are just like, hey, Lois, maybe you could go get us some coffee. (laughs) And she's like, ah! (laughs) It always, like, I don't know, whenever somebody says, go get coffee, I'm always just like, it reminds me of Lois Lane being like, no! (laughs) That's chilling. Especially because Lois loves coffee so much. She loves coffee, which I canonically established. (laughs) I know. <laughs> By tracing the history of Lois drinking coffee because I love Lois and I love coffee so much that I was just like, you know who loves coffee? Lois also. And went through 80 years of history just scanning pages to be like, she drinks coffee. Trust me. And it was amazing. <laughs> Thank you. It was really one of my most, I'm so proud of it, honestly. <laughs> If somebody looks back at, like, literally everything I've ever written, I'm just like, you know, that Lois Lane coffee article was pretty good. It was really funny, too. You, like, nailed your jokes in it. Is it still out there? I'll I'll try and find it. I don't even know. They tore down a bunch of stuff from Sci-Fi. I know. I know. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, I'll see. You know, before I I let Sarah do her thing, I did want to just say, you know, we had said we might talk about Philippus and Hippolyta. (gasps) And I just have to say, because I, we can't end the episode without it, um, at the end of Nubia and the Amazons, there's so much in that final issue. And I don't know if we should talk about it fully, but there's this moment where Philippus is, you know, Diana's like, no, you do it. And Philippus is like, no, you do it. And then they're like, no, let's do it together because you're my daughter and this is our family. And I've just fucking lost it, Steph. I fucking lost my mind okay reading comics my entire life we can all relate to this you have seen the wonder woman comics where felupus is just hey i'm just her good roommate it's cool like Mm -hmm. i'm just here to do roommate stuff and then i'm out and then you're just like okay but they're married and it's one of those things like Mystique and Destiny, where when it happens on the page, you're just like, oh, I was right. Like, <laughs> you just like start like, yeah, yeah. Like, I have been making this point for a million years and I have made this connection and watched everybody else not make this connection and be like, they're probably just buds, like, whatever. And I, whenever you like, you see it, you're just like, no, they're in love. (laughs) And so I think that that's beautiful because it was like, it was like Mystique and Destiny or like when Bobby comes out in X-Men, like when Iceman comes out, like there's a few moments where you're just like, I told you, (laughs) like I've been telling you, like we're waiting on that with Storm, right? But, but there's a lot of characters where you're just like, when they finally come out, it's like there's so many, there's like a whole puzzle that connects all of a sudden. It's like the final pu- like puzzle piece that was standing between them and better stories. And I was just like, that's it. Now I want to see Philippus and everything. <laughs> so I hope <laughs> yeah. that we do see more of it. Because it was just like super important. Um, again, going back to, you know, George Perez. Um, it's funny. It was from a fight scene between the two, but it like, it was a very heartbreaking fight scene because, um, like, you know, again, like these Amazons being very, yes, passionate about their, their duty. So for Hippolyta, it was her duty as Diana's mom 
to go mm-hmm. um, behind uh, Doom's doorway to go get her. And Philip is as like uh, the queen's just right hand general or whatever to make sure that she stays safe. So, I mean, what a heartbreaking fight. Um, and then all the other interactions that they've had, especially also in Young Diana, uh, where Jordy has just done such great work. Um, I was like, yeah, no, yeah. y'all are getting this this mom and daughter moment between the two um, because uh, they they needed it, um, especially for uh, something like that that was so tragic. And I was happy to finally like have a moment where I was like, I know. I know y'all. So I'm confirming this for you that, yes. Um, And then also in trial, um, that was the first time that I think Philippus and um, Queen Hippolyta had ever kissed. And I was like, wait, what? I know. I'm dying. Like, listening to this, (laughs) I'm dying. Because I'm just like, no, it's been since I was a kid. Like, it's the same (laughs) as, like, the Rachel Summers of it all. Or, like, you know, something like that. The Kitty Pride of it all. Where it's like... You spend decades being like, I'm like high key being gaslit by like the rest of the (laughs) comic book reading community because they're all just like, no, look, Kate dated seven dudes. And I'm like, every chaotic bisexual I've ever met has dated seven dudes named Pete. Like, (laughs) 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 so I don't know. It was, I can't, it's like as much as this. I was specifically pointing at you. You didn't see it, but <laughs> I I also wanted to say just that like that's the thing though. It's like when Mystique says, I want my wife back in X-Men, mm. right? It's like you have these moments where you're just like, not only did it get pulled off, but it got pulled off in this way that puts like chills on you because you've just been waiting for this moment and just being like they're clearly wives like they're clearly clearly wives like it's not even like they were just dating or something right like they were definitely married for sure and that is textual it's on the page that's why i've stopped referring to certain relationships as subtextual because i'm like it's not though like mystique and destiny was not subtextual (laughs) like yeah listen not in the least You've been watching Xena again, right, Essie? So it's like oh, yeah. you've been texting me being like, okay, so how is this a straight relationship? And it's like, <laughs> because we let straight people make the rules of it. Yes. <laughs> it's like, yes. I'm like, Gabrielle literally says, I had a dream that I was also giving birth to your child. And I'm like, okay, yeah. you're together having a baby you together. Are, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you're wives. You're wives. You are homosexuals. Welcome <laughs> to the homosexual club. <laughs> Like, that's, it just drives you nuts, right? And so, like, I want to say, like, as much as I, like, yes, Nubia deserves the world. Io deserves the world. But you know who else fucking deserves the world is Philippus. Because Mm -hmm. it's, like, that character has been the queer in the fucking corner for, like, literally (laughs) this entire time. Like, for for so so long. long. It's, like, one of those, it's, like, Ice Maiden or something, right? Where you're just, like, one of these days somebody's going to write Ice Maiden comeback and, like, it's going to be huge because these are characters that all, maybe not that many people remember them, all queer people who were reading Mm -hmm. comics of that time remember those characters. You remember it with the fucking clarity of, like, a thousand years. Like, you remember exactly whenever Cloud leaves the new Defenders. Like, you you remember Philippus, you know, like, just kind of being there 
present and their relationship not being fully explained. So I don't know. I like I, this is an emotional way to end this interview, but I'm definitely just like this is a huge huge step that you made with that and almost more with that than with Nubia and Io because as much Which as is I hilarious. love that which is hilarious because it's been canonical for like <laughs> 40 years, 50 years, you know, like, man, uh, it's it was just really important to read that. So I just have to say thank you so much on one level. And just like, I'm so happy that you're my friend on another level. And just, I mean, I'm so happy for those characters and the people who have been reading these characters for such a long time that aren't me because... You doing that, it's like such a wider web, right? Like there's so many, it goes out to so many people. Absolutely. And you yeah, know, fingers <laughs> crossed uh, if um, <laughs> if I can pitch this to DC, but like that moment was like, hmm, so I wonder for a black label situation, would y'all be open to Hippolyta and Philippus? <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't yeah. know, like mm-hmm. a quest mm-hmm. that the two mm-hmm. took mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that. So... Mm-hmm. Put out good juju <laughs> out there, but can I pre-order listen. that right now? Could I pre-order now? Is that okay? <laughs> You've got pre-order at it. least two sales right We're now. In. Three We're because in. I know Monica's on, right? She's so. In. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, hey, um, if they will say yes, or even if they don't, then as I've been learning that just because, you know, the IP thing that you pitched didn't get picked up, fine. Just scrub the those characters and insert your own. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there you that's have the way it. to do it. And that's the way the creators make money over time. So yes, <laughs> important move to make. So we talked a ton in this episode. Normally I ask what you have coming up, but I think that we have a pretty good idea of what you have coming up right now that you can talk about. So thanks for talking with us about this, but I have a question because you have so wonderfully guested on our Halloween episodes before, and we hope to have you back this year. But I would like to know, is there a horror movie that you've seen lately? Not that's new, but just new to you, or perhaps just one that you've revisited recently that is really standing out to you that you'd like to tell us about? Well, it's not a not a great one, but it is one that stands out to me because <laughs> I asked so many questions, and it was uh, M Night Shyamalan's Old. Um, wow! There you go. It's on HBO. Yeah, it is on HBO, and I was like, well, whatever. Um, I'm subscribed, so let me just go ahead and watch it. And you know, a lot of things happened that probably shouldn't happen or could have been handled better, but. The twist, the M. Night Shyamalan twist, I won't lie, it did intrigue me. Um, And I was kind of like, all right, I get it, but just go watch old. Um, Nothing makes sense. Uh, The concept of it all is very interesting. And actually, I went to go buy the graphic novel that it is based loosely Loosely, I mean, not even maybe I don't even I think loosely isn't even respectful enough, but the graphic novel that it is named after, uh, which you should read. I'm blanking on the name of the um, the writer and the artist, but um, it's available digitally if you want to pick it up that way or order it wherever you can find it. But that is actually worth um, picking up. I'm making my way through it and I'm like, wow, so. You bought the rights. Why the hell didn't you just make this? <laughs> like you just—you didn't have to yeah. go write your own thing. Um, I get it, but like, no, you—you you had this. You could have just—you could have just did He's this. Like, I'm an auteur. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, buddy. 
Um, you are. Uh, so, uh, yes, old. So if you all want to talk about that come October, we can because, wow. Everybody, watch up. We're going to do it. I'm excited because the last time we talked, it was, what was it? Life, um, Devil's Rejects, yep. and yes. something else. <laughs> Fucking else Devil's Rejects. <laughs> that was a bonkers episode. And you know what? I'm looking forward to it this year, too. So I let's do wait. it. We're going to, it's wait. our annual <laughs> Halloween tradition is to have Stefan just to talk about the weirdest horror movies because we are all big fans of weird horror movies. They're great. <laughs> you know, they give you nightmares, but they're also uh they're also great. Maybe we can talk about nope. Haven't seen that yet, but um Ooh, I'm so excited. Those trailers. Right? What are those trailers? I'm dying. Every time I go to the theater, because I have like a seven dollar matinee theater that's pretty close yes. to me. And every time I go, they show a nope preview and I'm just like, what is this? <laughs> like, I mean, I was into the non-horror version of the movie that they start with, you know. I was like, Oh, this looks great. This, this is gonna good. be about <laughs> this family of like horse trainers. I love horses. This is great. And then I'm like, oh, and aliens. Oh, okay, I'm in. <laughs> I I I can't wait. I I just I am so excited I and <laughs> I've been introduced to the wonders that is RPX which is IMAX but better but cheaper. I don't understand it. What? But um yeah, it made me really love that Top Gun Maverick. Um sorry, military uh, industrial complex. <laughs> oh yeah, propaganda. yeah, you were tweeting about it that. It really got me. It got me. I said, "You know what you want this round." <laughs> Because <laughs> that was definitely you gotta give rude. credit where credit's due. Touche. <laughs> uh, they won, and Tom won too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead. Scientology and all. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm done. I know. I know. <sighs> they got a pass. <laughs> For only Maverick. For only Maverick. <laughs> for, only, for only Maverick. And then, like, I've never seen the first Top Gun either. What? Meg Ryan. It, Listen, yeah. Gillis and Meg Ryan. I mean, that's the thing is, like, I had this whole time period where I was, like, I was raised on whatever 90s movies and stuff and was, like, no, Meg Ryan's just always in rom-coms, whatever. I don't need to watch Meg Ryan movies because I was in the later era where people were giving her pretty uninspired stuff to work with. Yeah. But you look back and you watch something like Top Gun and you're just like, this woman is going to be the most famous person on the planet for like a hot second at least because the charisma so is everywhere. Didn't get asked back. Gillis didn't get asked back. But I will say... I'm still probably going to watch Maverick. <laughs> I also think the first movie is like very gay. Like it's, it's so very gay. gay. So like, I remember There's watching it in college thing. and being like, is this the gayest movie I've ever seen? You are in love with each other. I've heard people be like, oh, it was a bromance. And I'm like, no, they you mean kiss. romance. You mean romance. <laughs> They're planning to kiss on the lips immediately after this volleyball tournament. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, Steph, let's pretend that you don't live here. If people wanted to find you on social media and you want them to, where can they find you? Uh, You can follow me. I mean, you can find me on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at Steph underscore I underscore Will. And um, yes, you know, sometimes I tweet. A lot of times I've been tweeting uh, while high because it's like the the only way to kind of endure the timeline. But um, 
Yeah, follow me there and, uh, you know, you might get some comic stuff. You might get a video edit or you might just get me bitching about how I lost $15 in Coles cash. You just never know. You never know. You never know. <laughs> Amazing. Steph, oh, it's always such a pleasure to have you here. I laughed so hard I cried. I cried thinking about Hippolyta and Philippus. I got chills several times. I mean, you are... You have always been such an integral part of Bitches on Comics to us. You you know this. I'm just going to say it because it feels good to say it. And, you know, for Sarah and I, we've talked about a lot. It's just so cool to see how you have fought and worked and pushed and built this career for yourself. And, like, now we get to, like, revel in the glory of so much Nubia. And I just couldn't be more grateful and, and and more excited for you. And I I know there's many things you can't tell us about right now. And so you'll be back soon and we'll get to talk about all that. Absolutely. And just thank you so much. Thank you. Are you kidding? You're so much fun. It's always a blast. Sarah, so good to have you here as always. Monica, hey. we missed you and we love you. Kate, thanks for making us sound good. Katie, thanks for the kick-ass theme songs. You rule. Listeners, we love you. Patrons, we love you maybe more. <laughs> that's such a fucked up thing to say. It's pride. If you are not our patron, that's homophobic. <laughs> you are a homophobe. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> it's I'm all so, gay people, and they're just like, um, I'm yeah, so, well, maybe I'm examine so broke. that. <laughs> it's like, yeah. guys, we don't actually think you're a homophobe. If you don't we have don't money. think that. Please don't. These are yokes. We're yoking. Thank you for listening to Bitches on Comics. We are a bi-weekly podcast where we talk to your favorite comics and pop culture creators and critics about what matters to them in comics and pop culture, as you might have guessed. You can follow us on Twitter at at Bitches on Comics and on Instagram at at Bitches on Comics. Our website is, brace yourself, bitchesoncomics.com. If you go there, you can listen to any of our episodes. And we've got other shit that we put on tabs. I don't remember what it is. I am in charge of updating the website, however, so good luck. Thanks for the heads up. I'll go to this website now. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. Still Sarah Century on those. I'm S.E. Fleenor. You can learn more about me at sefleenor.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at S.E. underscore Fleenor. Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire. You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization.
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.